as we, as we come to God's word, let's come in a moment of prayer. Oh, dearest God, we praise you that you are the speaking God, that you do not leave us stumbling in the darkness, but your word is a light unto our feet and a lamp unto our path. Lighten our way this day, Father, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, I've been doing some reflecting on uh, 1 Samuel this week. And as I was doing some reflecting on 1 Samuel, I realized that it's a story just filled with reversals. It's a story filled with the powerful um, being, being humbled and, and the humbled being exalted. Just think through this, this series we've had in 1 Samuel uh, so far. Um, think Even right at the beginning, we hear this man who has two, two wives, uh, Peniel and Hannah. And Hannah... Uh, has many children, but she's, she's really proud and she's really boastful and she makes it really difficult for, her, for, for, for Hannah. But then we see this great switch, switch occurring as the Lord blesses Hannah abundantly. And Hannah is raised up. But then this, this reversal continues. Our mind then wanders off into, uh, into Eli. We saw the, the high priest of Israel. And Eli had two sons. And they were greedy and selfish sons because people would come to the temple to offer sacrifices, and the greedy sons would go and take the best of those sacrifices and eat them themselves. And so the Lord God brought these priests down, Eli's sons down, and instead raised up Samuel. We see this endless sort of story of reversals again and again. Think about last week. We saw Saul, no, not Saul, sorry, Goliath. <laughs> Goliath, that mountain of a man, huge, terrifying. And yet he was brought low by a humble shepherd boy. The story of 1 Samuel is a story of reversals because our Lord is the Lord of reversals. Uh, the, the prayer in 2 Samuel sort of sets the scene, Hannah's prayer, for everything that comes. And she prays and, and praises the Lord that he humbles the proud and lifts up the lowly. And, and this tale of, of um, 1 Samuel, we're in that moment, a crossover moment, where Saul is, he is descending. He's rebelled against the Lord. He is arrogant and he is proud and he is descending. And David is currently on the rise and is being brought up and is being brought exalted. And we're at that crossover moment we now land in with 1 Samuel 18. And we see how David is exalted. And we're just given example after example of it. So we're sort of going to do a bit of a brush stroke through lots of, uh, lots of this passage. But just verses 1 to 4, we see how the Lord, um, how Jonathan, sorry, can't speak today, how Jonathan exalts uh, David. Now Jonathan is the son of Saul. Jonathan is, is the, the rightful king. He's the one everyone's going to expect to become king. And yet here we have Jonathan, and we see his, the depth of his friendship with David. We see that they become one in spirit. They have a covenant with each other. We see that Jonathan loves David as, as he loves himself. Jonathan is exalting David, but in this act of Jonathan exalting David, Jonathan, unknowingly maybe, but he is also humbling Saul. Because Jonathan's the rightful heir. And yet here we have Jonathan giving his robes, his swords, to David. He's sort of pledging himself to David. 
So we have Saul being humbled and David being exalted. But then we see that again with, uh, with the woman's song in verses 5 to 9. Because they've just been at this mighty battle where David has defeated Goliath. And now the army is returning home and Saul hears the women singing as they return. He hears the women singing and, he, and, 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 and at first, oh, it is music to his ears. It is glorious to hear this song. Saul has slain his thousands. Yes, you must be thinking. They recognized it. All that I've done. But then he hears the second verse. Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. What? What? They're giving David the praise over me. David, but I'm the king. Why don't they, why don't they praise me? Why do they give it to David? David is being lifted high. And Saul is being humbled. And this humbling then goes into, takes a more evil sort of turn um, as, as the story uh, develops and continues. And we see this uh, in verses 10 to, to 11. Uh, this evil spirit descends upon Saul. Now we first read, hear evil spirit, and my mind definitely jumps to the Gospels and a demonic spirit which comes and possesses uh, people. But actually, I don't think this here is an evil, this, this is a demonic spirit. This is a spirit from the Lord, not from the devil. It's a spirit which is achieving a, a purpose. But it's a spirit which is still that, that hand of the Lord coming heavy upon Saul. And normally, because these episodes have happened before in 1 Samuel, normally it, it, Saul just listens to the music, then he's all right. And he just soothes him. But this time the music doesn't help. And he's so overcome with, with jealousy and rage at David that people would praise him rather than Saul. He takes a spear and he tries to kill him, not once but twice. Because he's so filled with fear. But David escapes. He runs away. And again, in that escape, he's exalted. Sadly, it just continues to go downhill for poor Saul. Because not only are the women singing his praise, slowly all of Judah is loving David. Because Saul, he has this desire to, 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 to kill David. It's soon replaced just with a fear of David. And we see he's got quite a good reason to be afraid of David, hasn't, hasn't he? He's got a very good reason to be afraid of David. Verse 12, Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with David, but had left Saul. Saul is, is coming to terms with what's going on to him. I'm no longer the blessed one. God's turned against me. And he's filled with fear of David. And, and he doesn't really know at this point what to do. So he just gives David over to the army and go and attack the Philistines. Just get out of my face sort of attitude. But that, that sort of turns against Saul because while David is with the Philistines and fighting them and with the army, he's victorious again and again. And slowly, all of Judah is starting to be won over to David. And slowly we read in um, verse 16, but all Israel and Judah loved David because he had led them in their campaigns. They love him. They adore him for what he's done. They're exalting him. But the picture then gets even worse for poor Saul. Because not only does Jonathan love David and Judah love David, but one of Saul's daughters loves David. And we see that in the, the gruesome story of verse 17 uh, to, to the end. Because first Saul comes up with a plan. Because he had made a promise to David. Uh, to David. He said, anyone who defeats Goliath, the person who defeats Goliath, 
they can marry one of my daughters. And he comes up with this plan that, 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 that David will marry one of his daughters and he'll be in the army, the Israel army, forever. And then eventually one of the Philistines will probably kill him. If only David can be married into this position. And at first the plan doesn't really succeed because David just, he's like, but I'm, I'm a humble shepherd boy. I can't marry a, a princess. I can't be part of the royal family. So he rejects um, uh, the first daughter. But we then read about this Saul's second daughter, Michal. Michal loves David. And, and for a reason we're not actually told, maybe because David also returns that love, we're not actually told, but David accepts this second offer, this daughter, Michal, in marriage. Accepts her and agrees to that awesome, that, that gruesome uh, uh, bridal price of 100 foreskins, which is horrendous to hear. But then David goes, and he doesn't just fulfill that 100, he then fulfills 200. He is that victorious in battle that actually he can take on these 200 with him and his men. And in, in David's survival, in, in, in Saul's plan backfiring, well, that is more of him just being humbled and him being pushed low. And as he's being pushed low, well, his fear just grows. Can anything stop this man? Can anything get rid of David? And as Saul is being pushed low and humbled, well, David is being exalted. He's exalted in his victory. And he's being exalted in just how many people love him. Because they all love him. Judah loves him. Jonathan loves him. Michal loves him. Saul is humbled. David is lifted high. And what's the main point of, uh, of 1 Samuel 18? What's the main point? Well, as I was reflecting on it this week, I think the main point is the Lord will humble his enemies and he will exalt his anointed. The Lord will humble his enemies and he will exalt his anointed. And as I was thinking, trying to think of an illustration of that happening, well, my mind immediately went to David and Goliath, as we've already thought about. That is the Lord exalting David in his victory, the impossible victory, and him humbling his enemies. And now, chapter 18, we just see that continuing. That as rebellious, arrogant, proud Saul is being humbled, David is being exalted. He is loved by Saul's son. He is loved by Saul's nation. He is loved by Saul's servants. He is loved by Saul's daughter. And as David receives more love and love and love and love and love, well, Saul just receives fear and fear and fear and fear and fear. He's overcome with fear. The Lord will humble his enemies and will exalt his anointed. And the last few uh, months, it felt, we've been experiencing lots of exalting, haven't we? And we've been exalting the Queen recently in the Jubilee and lifting her high. But there's many examples where we can think of, of people being exalted. Uh, Leicester City, when they won the Champions League, were exalted. Or um, Emma, I can never say this lady's name, Emma Radakuna. I hope I didn't butcher that. But anyway, we know who she is. She won the US Open, so we exalt her that even in her youth, she has done such mighty things. The Lord is exalting his anointed. He is praising his anointed. He is lifting his anointed high. And the good news is, well, the good news is that this story, like all stories of David, point us forwards and onwards to Jesus Christ. And in Jesus Christ, we see 
God exalting Jesus Christ and humbling his enemies. As we look at this story and reflect how it points on to the great story of Jesus, of David's greater ancestor, we see ah, that God always exalts Jesus and humbles his enemies. Because think about when Jesus walked on earth. Think about how, how people treated him, how they res- responded to him. Think about the, the, the fishermen who just left everything. They left it all because they had to follow Jesus. Or think about that, that social outcast of the woman who was so like, like amazed by Jesus, in awe of Jesus, overwhelmed by Jesus, that, that when he was just so sitting and, and eating, she's, she just walks in and she's, she's just filled with tears and just washes his very feet with her tears and her hair because she's so in love with this, this man. Well, think of Jesus as he is laid in, in the grave, that moment which, which surely should be a, a moment of weakness. And yet, in that moment where Jesus is at the bottom, the Lord lifts him high in resurrection and lifts him higher in the ascension and gives Jesus the name which is above every name, name so that at the name of Jesus every tongue will confess and every knee will bow. God exalts his anointed. God exalts Jesus Christ and he humbles his enemies. Because we see that a lot here, this story of 1 Samuel 18. It is the humbling of Saul, his son, his daughter, his nation. They all love David over him and he is filled with fear. And the Lord will humble all his enemies and all his enemies will be filled with fear. All of them will be brought low. But what does this mean for us today? As we reflect upon these words, the Lord exalting his anointed and humbling his enemies, well, what does it mean for us? I think it means it's Love the anointed one. Love the anointed one. We should love the anointed one, and and not so much David, but Jesus Christ. We should love Jesus Christ like Jonathan loves David, with that desire to be in covenant with him, desire to be in one spirit with him, desire to submit rule and authority to him. We should love the anointed one more in the same way that the nation loved David, that they sang his praises, They rejoice in his victory. We love the anointed one like how Micah, Michael, loved the anointed one. They're just filled with that that romantic passion and that desire to be with him. And what does it look like for us to say yes to God? I will love your anointed one. Well, what does it look like to love like, like Jonathan loves? It looks... Like us submitting to Christ and saying, you're the king and I'm not. You're the Lord and I'm not. And you're the ruler and I'm, and I'm not. And I'll give myself fully to you and I am one in the spirit of you. And where you go, I will go. And what you say, I will say. And I will read your word and meditate on your word and, and follow your word, even though it's costly, even though it's hard. It, was, it is saying yes to God by saying, yeah, I love. Like the nation, I will sing your praises. Literally sing. <laughs> we literally sing his praises, but we literally sing his praises with, with our very lives, so that all of our lives may be pleasing to him in what we say, and what we plan, and what we do, and what we think, what we give our time and energy for. We praise him with these things. We will love 
We can say yes to, to God by loving the anointed like Macau loves the anointed. With that, that romantic desire that, that, that Jesus is the apple of our eye. That he is beautiful to us. <laughs> and he's given us so many reasons. So many reasons to see him as beautiful. To see him as lovely. To see him as one worthy of our love. David received love and praise and he won battles and wars. He took down a mighty man with nothing but a stone. Well, think of Jesus. He left his throne of glory and power and majesty and descended to be like us, to save us and to redeem us. He's shown us the way that we can live so that our nation will flourish, so that we will flourish, so our communities will flourish. He's given us his very spirit so that we know him and he's always with us. He's died to, to free us from the bondage to sin and decay and the devil. He's brought about our forgiveness and our liberation and our freedom and our joy. And he's risen again and reigning and ruling over all things and will call us home. He has given us a thousand reasons, 10,000 reasons to love him and to praise him. So love the anointed. Love him like Jonathan. Love him like the nation. Love him like Macau. Love the anointed. Let's just spend a moment meditating on God's word and then I'll close in prayer. Oh, dearest God, King of kings and Lord of lords, we praise you that you are the one who humbles your enemies and exalts your anointed. Help us, Father God, to not stand in the camp of the enemy and to be filled with fear upon fear upon fear. But help us through faith to stand in the camp of the victorious with our warrior King, Jesus Christ, who has given all to save us and redeem us. Help us, Father God, to be men and women who love Christ for all that he has done and won for us. Who are one in spirit with him. Who sing of his praises. And love him with a romantic love. Remind us, Father God, of how good Jesus is this day and in communion. Remind us, Father God, of how good Jesus is tomorrow and next week and the years to come. Father God, teach our hearts 10,000 reasons why we would want to love him. In Jesus' glorious name, amen.